Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 229. With the new year right around the corner, it makes sense to take some time this week and wish for the sort of changes to Royal Caribbean we would want to see in the coming year. From policy changes to new ideas or just self-serving improvements, this week we're sharing what kind of changes we'd like to see and hope to see in 2018. Here we go. With New Year's Eve just days away, a lot of people start dreaming of what they want to do differently in the new year. A new year represents a fresh start, and that notion isn't limited to just what people want to do. Every year, Royal Caribbean rolls out new initiatives, onboard policies, deployments, and packages that seem to, in some way, improve the guest experience and or enhance it. And being the geeky cruise fans that we are, I couldn't help but also come up with a list of new changes for 2018 that I'm hoping Royal Caribbean will adopt in the new year. And this week, let's wish together for what kind of changes, additions, and far-out ideas we would want to see happen if we had a control of Royal Caribbean. And to help me come up with some of these wishes, I sought out a great thinker. Someone with the kind of ideas that would get everyone thinking about the possibilities. I'd like to introduce you to the robot behind the machine, a brilliant inventor and scientific genius, Billy Hirsch of CruiseHabit.com. Welcome, Billy. Thank you. I was fully expecting you to say that that person you invited was not able to attend, and, uh, and I'm here in his absence. But thank you, you. for the uh, warm welcome. Well, that was a wonderful Muppet Vision reference, a Disney World reference. Did you get my reference? Yeah. No. no. <laughs> Timekeeper. Say that again? The Timekeeper. Oh, Timekeeper. Oh, wow. Throw up behind the machine. Right. A brilliant inventor. It's Ivy Jeez. And then in the scene, it would then cut to Robin Williams screaming and a lot of smoke. And then they cut yeah. back to Nine-Eye. Yeah. And I they're like, oh. You say it. That, yeah. that goes way back. Wow, yes. that was good. I, I feel it, very bad for having missed that now. Well, it's all right. There's only about four people that'll get that reference. Everyone else is like, what podcast am I listening to again? Did I did I get this one right? Anyway. It's, and, and one of those four is Marissa, who we know does not listen. So does not listen be... to this. No, that's those. Three. we're down to three. <laughs> um, actually, I brought Billy on this week because we actually did this same topic last year, and I thought this was a fun topic to do, and why not do it again this year? And before we get into some more ideas for this year, we actually are going to look back on what we suggested for last year that Royal Caribbean should do. Um, I don't know that any of them actually made, well, maybe one of them made it, I don't know, but we weren't very successful in our wishes, or our wishing didn't go very far, as it were. Um, so let's start, why don't you take us, uh, Billy, through the list of what we did last year, just for posterity, so we can at least see how we did. So, uh, we, we, we don't write these things down, I actually listened to the episode and realized how bad my voice is right now, so I apologize for all those listening, but, uh, number one. Uh, I went first and I wanted sail your way packages where you could just better customization of your cruise experience. Um, you know, table selection, main dining room, particular drinks that you like to have, things like that. Uh, you want me to go through all six of them real quick or you want to yeah, alternate? Go ahead. Yeah. All right. Next, uh, Matt, you wanted Waffle House and um, still do. despite wanting that, we're still friends. <clears throat> <laughs> Uh, though I will say I still don't love the breakfast experience on most cruise ships, not just Royal Caribbean. So, yeah, change is good. Uh, that's standardization. That's hang on. It's interesting hmm? you say that because that would infer that you wake up for breakfast. I have I have had breakfast on ships threes of times. Because <laughs> <laughs> that means waking up before noon. I just want to make sure that's clear that you're understanding that that's not <laughs> like, why are they serving hamburgers for breakfast? It's two o'clock. That's what happens at two o'clock. We're, we're actually going to address that in one of my three for this year, so we're, Ooh, we'll good. get there. Okay. <laughs> uh, so next, uh, standardization. Uh, you and I both have talked about this ad nauseum, that just yes. Royal Caribbean has some great things, but 
different ships, different uh, managers. You don't know what to expect when you get on board sometime. Um, Royal IQ and WoW bands fleet-wide. I feel like we're... We kind of got that. Not what we asked for, but with the new Project Excalibur, I think that's yeah. kind of a win. I think that one got granted. Yeah, I, I would say close enough that it'll be 50% true by halfway through the year, depending on what ship you're sailing on on the fleet. So, you, go. you know, good good enough. Uh, smaller builds that uh, you can guess, that was mine. <laughs> I wanted <laughs> some uh, smaller ships. And we talked about it being perfectly feasible, feasible that... Uh, Royal Caribbean's sister brands are very profitable with smaller ships. And lastly, getting rid of Johnny Rockets. Not because we hate it, but because we think other stuff could go into place. That would be awesome. You know, like a yeah. Waffle House if you're Matt Hodgeberg. <laughs> uh, just saying. Well, one out of, what was that, six or seven? That's not terrible that's the one is already an accomplishment not that we had any impact on any of this but that's still pretty good that's well and i I was trying to think are there any things that are standardized not in the way that i think we were talking about it um there have some policies changed but i can't think of any like the the you know what standardized the um the wine corkage policy got brought back but i'm not sure that's really again what we're kind of talking about uh, you know, I will say one thing, and this isn't standardization across the board, but uh, I did notice something that was very inconsistent. Maybe it still is, but at least in, in my 2017 Royal Caribbean cruising experience was consistent. Towel policies seem to be enforced across the fleet, as best as I can tell. Yeah, I think so. I think that's that's pretty standard. Uh, I think I think you're right about that one. See, we're, we're, we're doing anything we can to make this list successful. Just going for the small things. Hey, we've heard... <laughs> Get rid of Johnny Rockets. I remember it was closed that one time. I walked by for three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, so let's start off with that in mind. Let us look towards 2018. And as the guest, Billy, I will, of course, allow you to, to begin with uh, your first wish for Royal Caribbean in 2018. All right, so... This first one comes out of, um, as as some listeners know, for those who don't, well, I, I really enjoy Royal Caribbean cruising. Uh, I, I cruise on, I'll cruise on anything that floats. How's that? Uh, I enjoy shopping around, if you will. And every cruise line to me has something unique to offer. And uh, that gives me the opportunity to see where there are some things that maybe one cruise line isn't doing that I go, wow, you know, would make the other cruise line better, in this case, Royal Caribbean, if they had this. And I just got off uh, about uh, three weeks ago, Holland America's New Amsterdam. And it was actually my first Holland America cruise. Sailed a lot of lines, but it was my first one. And something that I, I took away from that was that the musical acts were fantastic. So I would like featured musical acts. And what I mean is Royal Caribbean has some very talented musicians on their ships. That's I'm not suggesting anything to the contrary. And, and they're great about having live music in multiple venues. That's fantastic. Uh, but when I look also on, uh, like our friend Rick right now is on, uh, is he's been kind of doing nearly back to back NCL cruises on a couple different ships. Um, they too, in addition to Holland America, have these featured musical acts that are they're not just musicians; they're shows. There's a theme around it, and and they're really something special. Um, on Holland America, the BB King All Stars, among other things, and that was really great. NCL seems to have these these performances that are just full of dancing and and singing. Um, and I'd like to see more like that, where you can, um, you know, be, beyond just the the headliner shows, where you can go and see more than a band playing, but really a, a musical experience. 
Interesting. I guess I, it's one of those things I don't know that maybe you have to see it to quite understand what you're um, – the full scope of what you're talking about. But I'm all for live, more live musical performances and just original kind of productions in that regard. I think that's – I think it's a great idea. I think it's uh, what makes cruising so fun and unique because you get that kind of experience. We don't get a chance really to see a lot of shows and whatnot in our in our day-to-day lives. You know, we've got kids. We've got, you know, all sorts of obligations. I think, you know, it's tough to find a lot of – get culture in your life. And I, and I think that be having that opportunity on board a cruise ship, it's one of those times where we make time to see, you know, currently, you know, maybe it's an ice skating show or a Broadway show or the headliner attraction. Those are fun, but I'm all for more varied live entertainment on board Royal Caribbean ships. So I, I like the idea. I think it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, and I think that they could, um, they could do a good job of maintaining, uh, unique shows between, between ships and itineraries and things like that. Cause I, I know Royal Caribbean is big on that. And, and I, I like that a lot that if you go on harmony, you're going to see a different stage show you know, they have these incredible, um, uh, Broadway quality, really performances now. And, you know, on these massive stages and, and it's different on harmony versus allure, for example. Um, and I think you could do the same with these featured musical performances, you know, have, have an entire jazz venue that, that they play together all the time. It is a core group, stuff like that. Uh, it was just something I thought was neat that neat that I would like to see. So, what, uh, Matt Hotsberg? What is your number one? My number one is something I think you're going to like. I think this is a Billy Hirsch approved, and I have not run this past Billy, but I am going to I'm going to predict, prognosticate that you are going to like this one, and that is. Uh, you know, I was I was seeing what Rokami was doing um, with Cuba in the news the other day, and I said, you know what? I got my number one over more overnights in more Caribbean itineraries. Like in Europe, this is very common to have overnight yeah. itineraries, but why not do a overnight in you know Cozumel or Falmouth or Saint Thomas or San Juan, Puerto Rico? Um, you know, these are wonderful ports to visit, and it doesn't have to be. You don't have to argue that, well, you know, the, you do an overnight in Copenhagen because it's Copenhagen. It's got such history and culture and everything like that. And there's, you know, it, it only it, it's something people really want to do. I think doing overnights in Caribbean ports is still a lot of fun because these are opportunities to spend even more time, have a more indulgent experience, more immersive experience in these ports. And and I think that it's it's really a a a really interesting opportunity, something that really hasn't been done, especially by Royal Caribbean. I know that maybe Azamara and some other smaller cruise lines offer this kind of experience, but I don't know that there's, you know, on a four-night cruise that goes to Cozumel, why not do an overnight and, you know, make that be an option there? And that that really is a differentiator. Obviously, for the guest yeah, experience, you get a lot really more time be. in there, but it stands out among, you know, its peers. You know, you're as far as it being a differentiator, you're absolutely right. Um there are many of us that can point to some of the differences between arbitrarily, I'm going to say NCL and Royal Caribbean that in mind there, they can be hard to articulate. And for somebody that hasn't experienced them, it's really difficult to grasp. And somebody's just going, I don't know. I wanted to go on a cruise. Uh, I've heard good things about Mexico. There are two four night cruises. They both go to Cozumel. <laughs> one's on this NCL ship and one's on this Royal ship. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, an overnight could really be a differentiator. Now, I'm prepared. I want to let you go first on this, though, because this is your idea. You've, I'm sure you've thought it out, and you didn't at all scratch it uh, down onto a, a semi-dirty napkin just before we started recording. <laughs> uh, what are some of the things 
that you would suggest to make this especially enticing to guests, but also to the cruise line? Because I can imagine right away some people saying, well, in some of these ports, there's not going to be anything to do at night because ships are never there overnight. How is the cruise line going to make money on this? Because you can't run casinos and shops near your port, usually, not always. So you have any uh, you have any thoughts there? I think it's certainly – you can't do this at every port, but I do think there are certain ports that certainly lend themselves towards certainly established Caribbean ports that have been a center of tourism for many years. Cozumel, St. Thomas or two that easily – San Juan, Puerto Rico especially. These are places that have a pretty vibrant nightlife, I would say. Certainly uh, with Cozumel and the mainland and you know going to Playa del Carmen and the Mayan ruins that are over there, having the ability to come back just later and it's not so much about overnight like what you're going to do at midnight it's more about the idea that you don't have to rush back to get back for five o'clock that opens up so many opportunities and for royal caribbean that means more immersive excursions that go to places like chichen itza and allow you more than like you know an hour there and rather because currently when you go to these places you're spending most of your time commuting you're not actually spending most of your time at the place so from that standpoint that's huge a place like saint martin or saint thomas rather would offer even you know that that there's more of a city nature to it. Downtown uh, Charlotte Amalier ha- is is a you know it's it's a legitimate city there. Same for Old San Juan. I've you know I've done land vacations in San Juan, and it's there's a ton of to do there. There's certainly a vibrant nightlife, and again this lends itself to shore excursions. Is really what it's all about because I think most people when they go to uh, on a royal Caribbean cruise to any port, I think I'd say a majority of people that are doing excursions probably go through royal Caribbean anyway. And by expanding the library, the selection of itineraries, to me, that is a huge revenue source because now people can not just do one one excursion in these places. They can do two. You know, you could do in San Juan, you do the tour of the old Spanish forts in the daytime, and then you do the bioluminescent bay tour in the evening in, in San Juan, which is beautiful and amazing, but something that you really can't do unless you happen to be there for a weird timed itinerary, which is pretty rare these days. So... I think there are some ports that, like I said, San Juan, St. Thomas, Cozumel, easily I could see those being ports in which you could do something like that. I will give Royal Caribbean credit. They have sort of something similar to this, not quite what I'm asking for. Uh, and, of course, this is going to naturally come with a shameless plug because I can't share anecdotes without shameless plugs. Uh, with the Royal Caribbean blog Group Cruise on Symphony of the Seas in November 2018, you can check out more details at royalcaribbeanblog.com. We're actually on, a, on that itinerary on Symphony. There, we're stopping two stops in, Cozum- in uh, Mexico, I should say. One in Costa Maya, one in Cozumel. And there's actually an excursion. I haven't checked on if it's still there, if it has sold out or whatever. But there was an overnight excursion where you'd get off the ship in Costa Maya, go to see some Mayan ruins, stay in a hotel, and then rejoin the ship in Cozumel. It was extremely expensive and extremely logistically intense. But I was, uh, I would, it was really intriguing idea, and I think that they could. I, I just think this is win-win for guests and Royal Caribbean if they offer more overnight experiences. So uh, I'll go in kind of reverse order. That, uh, first, that symphony thing. I remember you telling me about that, and it, that's such a cool idea. Uh, it is pricey, but as someone that is looking forward to the symphony group cruise, royalcaribbeanblog.com slash events for more information, I'll be there. Um, I, you know, I have to wonder, can you put it, can you actually put a price on, um, escaping Matt Hodgeberg just for one night in the middle of the group cruise. And I argue you cannot. So uh, maybe we'll check that out. Um, but yeah, that's a really cool idea. And for some of these ports, I can imagine people going, well, I don't know if there's much going on and maybe, um, that might be true in some ports, but I would argue that, uh, kind of, if you build it, they will come. 
exactly. there's no reason, you know, for, for these ports where, where 90% of the tourists are coming on cruise ships, right. Why would they have anything, you know, that's staying open <laughs> at night? Why would they have activities and events? Well, this would give ports a reason. Uh, further, a lot of these places, that's when the, the stuff happens with the locals. We've talked about this in, uh, in Cozumel, in um, uh, Parque Benito Juarez, uh, where, the, where Cause Coffee is. That area, it's, there are all these touristy places by day. At night, there are, there are concerts and other things for locals, which leads me into, I remember last year, I, I, uh, I helped Royal Caribbean, you know, figure out some of these things because I'm a giving kind of guy. Uh, so here's here's what you call this. You call this uh, visit like a local. And you you pitch and you can even set up tours. That's how you monetize off off of this. You pitch the opportunity to see these places that don't usually have many tourists at night right? and see how they actually function as a local community. There's a lot of appeal. There are people that specifically do not take cruises because they want to see how people actually live and they don't think they get that opportunity on a cruise. And, and there's, there's some merit to that. Well, here, here's a way that you can, you can have your cake and eat it too. And I still don't understand that metaphor, but <laughs> the, um, the name I looked it up by the way, the excursion that I was referring to is the Maya immersion and Kolkukan Kul- nights. I'm sure that's mispronounced. It's brace yourself. $649 sure. per person. It's, it's a, that's a little steep. It's a little steep, but it's it's pretty cool. You get to visit three amazing archaeological sites, Chacoben, Tulum, and Chichen Itza. Uh, you get to see the nighttime show, which is a spectacular light and sound show projected on Chichen Itza's magnificent temple of Kukukan. Um, and you basically you that place. it's a yeah that place it's it's an overnight kind of thing and it, it's kind of a I, I mean look it's you know for two people you're talking about what thirteen hundred dollars but it's, I mean, it's that to me, what I love about this idea is it's so different. And I, whether you're brand new to cruising or you've, you're like you were Billy and I, it's, you know, it's something that's, I, I think there's a certain appeal to it. Granted, it's very expensive, but I think nobody, you know, the the prospect of something, doing something like this is like, that's what cruising is all about, is that opportunity, like you said, Billy, to kind of get out there and, and get a little, you know, see the real side of these things, then you know, get back on the cruise ship for, you know, right after that, that that's fine too. But it's it's just enough of it. And doing this kind of an overnight thing, I want to see more of these overnight kind of excursions. Or I, I hope that they fill it up at whatever price they're asking so that they do try it out in other places. And maybe in some places it works and some it doesn't. Um, I, I was trying to justify the price in my head again, already thinking how I can escape Matt for a, a night during the group cruise. And, and I thought, you know what? <laughs> It, does it? Do you know? Does it include uh, food? Uh, oh. I'm on the page right now. It is the tour begins at Costa Mon, includes in Cozumel. Price of tours based on double occupancy. You're staying at the Maya Land Hotel and Bungalows, or similar. The Maya Land Hotel and Bungalows. The Maya Land Hotel and Bungalows. There is transportation in air-conditioned vehicles, hotel accommodations based on double occupancy, bilingual guide, a virtual reality tablet during teaching French and German. day visit. Sorry. <laughs> All admissions. Oh, meals, bottled water, and snacks included. Yes. Okay. So if you had two people that went to a specialty restaurant for lunch and dinner because you wanted something different and you were going to book two excursions anyway, one for each port, especially if they were long like all day – Ruin excursions, for example, you know, there's easily four or five hundred bucks. Takes takes yeah. a little little 
little tiny bit of the sting out, maybe. I'm trying. I'm just, I'm just saying, if our wives can can stick it out together for one night, you and I can do this in the name of research. And that's you know, very nothing true. Sa- nothing says bromance like to <laughs> going to see Mayan ruins and sharing a hotel room at the fabulous <laughs> Mayaland Hotel and Bungalows or similar. Uh, you know, it sounds it sounds romantic. I look forward to it, and I'm pretty sure all we have to do is get uh, get the Arissas to go to a tasting at uh, on board in <laughs> the early afternoon, and uh, they won't even notice that we didn't come back until the next day. It'll be fine. There you go. All right, Billy. What's next on your list? Enough of this uh, chit chat, yik yak, and flip. Sorry, time. I liked that idea. I was really excited about that. Yes. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> I want expanded Windjammer hours, and there are a few reasons for this. So before you make a joke, I will tell you, yes, one of the reasons is because I wake up very late sometimes. 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 This was really um, inspired by a couple different things. Uh, One of them is that uh, I'm I'm a late-night person, and I hate Sorrentos. So I, I like having options, and everyone likes having options, right? Um, sure. So if you're if you're up at different hours, it's nice to have some additional options. And on Sister Brand Celebrity, on some of the ships, what they do is they just keep certain stations at the Sea View Cafe, their their Windjammer equivalent, open late. Uh, another place that uh, this inspiration came from was actually when we we're on Empress of the Seas, and sailed to Cuba in May. I had a great time on Empress. Loved the ship. Loved that sailing. Something that I noticed was the Windjammer hours uh, were quite different. They, I mean, they, you know, they weren't open until three in the morning or anything like that. But they definitely had wider hours. Now that's because you don't have the uh, the same options that you have on on some larger ships in the Royal Caribbean fleet on Empress of the Sea. So they're just trying to to cover those gaps. But I really liked it because you, what you ended up with was more options than you would otherwise have just in a single venue. I think it's a great point. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because when Royal Caribbean announced Quantum of the Seas, it was originally supposed to be open 24 hours a day. That was the th- it would be limited obviously at certain hours, but it was supposed to be open 24 hours and and that was huge because I totally agree with you, Billy. I mean, my thing is always I don't need food necessarily at 2 a.m., but like I would say that it's not unreasonable to want to go to the Windjammer at from I would say 10 o'clock to midnight. In just those couple hours, because there's so much going yeah. on between shows, and if you have early dinner, like you know, and you go see a show afterwards, I mean, it's been like a solid ninety minutes since you ate something. You're going to be starving, right? <laughs> or if so, you're just trying to pack in all of the shows, I would really, if they had really good late night options, I would be inclined on some days to hit every show imaginable, and then after the, all the the headliner shows are over, have dinner. Right, and I think that's not. You know, I, I get like you can't keep the Windjammer open until three a.m. Fine, I um I'm on board with that. It makes total sense to me as to why that's the case. But I I really do believe that you know they could have expanded hours uh, to your point, and so I think that's a wonderful vision. I think there's a lot of people who probably would love to see expanded hours to do that. And you know, it's not like they have to. You know, they could they could be limited one side of the Windjammer. It doesn't have to even have the hot carving station. Just, you know, keep open the basics. A lot of this food, which probably lasts anyway, you know, it's not like they're really putting it too much out there. It's not like this is, you know, uh, fresh fish and cheeses that go bad in 30 minutes if they're out, right? You know, these they can have these kind of uh, a menu that will can that can certainly serve what you're talking about, Billy. And I think that uh, it would be a just 
No one really complains. Oh, there was too much. And here's why they should have made this decision. I don't know what it was, three or four months ago. It just occurred to me. It actually takes very little in the way of resources. A galley is always operational 24-7 on the ship for room service. Oh, that's a good point. Now, we know that they they maintain limited resources to deliver room service. That's why, let's be honest, on on any ship, I I mean, even even on the finest of ships, room service can be a bit delayed at times. Um, so here's an easy thing. You have somebody operating in that kitchen, have some stuff that you know, isn't going to go bad. So you can just make it and it's good for the night. You know, you don't want to waste a bunch of food. I get it. Have that out there. You have one person staffing it. And guess what? You also order the, you you also offer the room service menu. So if you do want anything off that menu and you don't want to pay the seven ninety five. Or if you just you don't want to wait, you, it's right there. They're already doing this. It's it's you know it's. Uh, I'm trying to think of of a business that that is in a similar situation, but it, it's as if they have this little black box where they make a whole bunch of different meals. Right. But you have to go through a weird process to get it. And like, let's make it easier for you. Just yeah. cut a hole in the side of the box, and we'll walk up and get it. There you go. I mean, I, I think the I, I could be wrong, but I thought the room service menu food comes from the main dining room. But still, it's not like it would be a really big deal to have it come from one point point A right. for these they, hours they and place B for the change others. that. And on many yeah. ships, that ends up being a connected galley anyway because it's it's an aft galley. Right. It depends on the build, but yeah, I like it. Uh, for my next one, I'm going a little different than what we did before. Um, I want to see Royal Caribbean go back to because they seem to have gone away from it. Listing really or publicizing more information about upcoming ship refurbishments and be more specific of what's being done. I mean, too often it's it's rarely mentioned. The classic example is Enchantment of the Seas and it's, you know, it's refurbishment. Uh, you know, there's just, it seems like to me like it's it's missed opportunity from a PR perspective for Royal Caribbean to announce it. I get not, not all refurbishments are flow riders being added and new restaurants and everything like that. But I think it only serves to benefit. There's It's just win-win for Royal Caribbean to, to publicize, hey, this ship is getting some work done on it, and that's just that's good. I mean, no one goes, no one. I don't think anybody says, "Oh, I'm not going on that ship." That they they just fixed it, they just maintained it better. Like that's just no one does that, right? If anything, that's actually a good thing. And I don't know that there's a downside to publicizing all the work being done in the refurbishments. Welcome used to have a website. It's still up. It's just out of date. They haven't updated since I would say probably 2016. They had some things referenced in 2017, but you know, there's not. They 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 got away from updating that uh and and keeping guests abreast as to what is changing and what ships are getting worked on and i think it's a it's a really common question i know that i a lot of royal Caribbean cruisers find and i think it only serves to help them you know from the the veteran cruiser standpoint to be informed but also if you're new to cruising it's just a it's a it's a good talking piece of oh you know you live in baltimore well you should go on grandeur this season did you know by the way grandeur is getting a refurbishment in i don't know april 2019 right and you know after that it's going to you know even if it's just basic stuff that's reassuring. It's just you know, oh, it's, yeah. it's it, they're keeping up their fleet. I I agree. I, I I do wonder is um, did they maybe stop doing it because um they they wanted to kind of uh, what's the expression I'm looking for uh, under promise over deliver you know because there yeah. are sometimes a ship goes into dry dock and uh, it didn't work out they didn't have time something else ran over budget they ran into problems I I kind of wonder if maybe that's a reason um, I also can't. Uh, help but notice that uh, 
based on this, one third of your list is completely self-serving just so that when people ask you on Periscope every day what's happening with the dry dock, you have an answer to give. But, you know, that's fine. It was a good, it was a good point nonetheless because I do agree oh. with all the other points. First of yeah. all, first of all, all my suggestions are self-serving as you're about to see from number three. If you thought this was bad, <laughs> wait for number three because, uh, yeah, the, this is all about me. But, you know, I, I, I freely admit it. That's And you know what? Admitting it is the first step. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I agree. Before we go on to my next, um, I agree not only because I, too, would like to be able to to share that with people. But, you know, really imagine for some of us who are, who are very fortunate, we can schedule trips pretty freely, right? You know, as far as the timing of stuff. And I have a cruise actually coming up on a on a ship that – Right after I'm on it, she goes into dry dock and gets some really shiny new stuff. I'm sure I'm going to have a great time, nonetheless. But it would have been neat if I would have done it right afterward. Now, that's also a reason that a cruise line might not want to do that, in fact, is because maybe you know, maybe they'll they'll find it difficult to sell those those last couple sailings. I I, I don't know, but I, I too yeah. would like to see that. Absolutely. No, I agree. All right, let's uh move on to your number three. I would like a different approach to onboard shopping. And I say different approach in the spirit of, I, I think we prefaced the uh, last year's episode with um, with the, the premise that these, these all need to be practical and feasible. Yes. You know, we can't just yeah. go wishing. Right, we're not wishing, yeah, we're not just wishing for, um, <laughs> I don't know, uh, 10,000 uh, passenger ships and, um, you know, free Dollar water. And, right, yeah. right, right. Wishing for more wishes. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to sound like uh, an elitist cruise too much jerk for a moment. And that's fine. I do it most of the time. Uh, I hate all the stuff that ships sell. <laughs> um, you know, I, I might occasionally buy like, you know, a, a Royal Caribbean uh, hat, and a celebrity shirt, etc. I'm not saying they shouldn't sell anything, but so much of it is just, it drives me nuts. I see people, um, you know, going all uh, Black Friday of, uh, of 20. 10 crazy uh, over $5 sales in the in the uh, the Royal Promenade and I'm like man you know I I saw that same exact thing at a $5 sale on a completely different cruise line not even owned by Royal Caribbean because all of this stuff is I, I'm just not a fan okay for those who love it I'm glad and and that's why I'm not asking to take it away I'm asking for a different approach to onboard shopping through two things one more unique merchandise. I would like to see this. And this isn't just Royal Caribbean, but I think that Royal Caribbean is actually uniquely positioned across the industry to um, uh, to be a force for change. If Royal Caribbean made this change, they, they have a lot of retail space on the ships. They could influence others. So one, more unique merchandise, both logo and non-logo. Um, but two... You know, you want to make onboard sales and, and onboard sales. Listen, guys, onboard revenue never complain about this stuff too much because it's what keeps fares low. So as much as I might not like um, some of these onboard retail things that happen, um, if they got rid of them, there would be a very simple answer. And that's make all the fares 15 percent higher. And nobody wants that either. Right. So I, I get it. I do. Hmm. And some people love it. Um, find a way of drumming up that excitement that does not involve me having to uh like elbow my way through a crowd throughout the entire length of the Royal Promenade on sea days and things it's like interesting. that. Right. It's mm -hmm. interesting you mentioned that, Billy, because 
in Royal Caribbean's last or latest, at least of this podcast, earnings call with uh, they do they do a financial call with investors in which they report their earnings for the quarter. And I always listen to it, must because have it before 10 a.m. because I didn't hear it. It's at 10 a.m. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it, it, it'll put you to bed. It's it's usually quite boring. But yeah. occasionally you, you get little bits of, of tidbits of information in here. And actually, it sounds like Royal Caribbean is actually rethinking its retail spaces, maybe to your effect. Um, here's what I wrote about it. I just want to make sure I get this rather than try to paraphrase it. With the shift in consumers looking for experiences instead of products, that's a, by the way, the experience instead of products thing is a, um, Royal Caribbean's uh, chairman and, and CEO, Richard Fain, is really big on that. He really believes that people and, these and days are more And there's a ton interested. of consumer research over the last two years about the way that people in, the, in Royal Caribbean's target, yes. optimal market, spend money. Um, and, and it's all about experience versus things. So yeah, sorry. Continue. Right. Yeah. So with, uh, with the shifting consumers looking for experience instead of products and the news that particularly higher guest spending on shore excursions and internet packages is driving a lot of what Royal Caribbean is doing so well financially. One of the investors on the call asked if Royal Caribbean was going to rethink its allocation of retail space on board their cruise ships. And this is the quote from Royal Caribbean's, uh, CEO, Michael Bailey. When we talk about the two programs, celebrity reflection and rel amplified, Really, a lot of thinking going into that is really thinking through how our guest spend is changing. You will start to see that when we bring these ships out of modernization programs that we will have really reallocated space to generate better revenues in areas that we see guests now naturally gravitating towards, end quote. Yeah, uh, that that sounds very much like, you know, at least in part, at least in, in uh, at least in layout, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um that that sounds like it. And listen, I just to be clear, this is not a unique Royal Caribbean problem. It's just uh it's an amplified and I say problem, it's that's my opinion. Um sure. it's amplified on Royal Caribbean because of the layout of ships that have a Royal Promenade where you have this main thoroughfare and you say, "Oh, a main thoroughfare, that's where we should put people selling, you know, bags for $5 and stuff." Um you know, so it, that's uh, yet another reason that they're uniquely positioned to improve that. So I, I would love to find out that that's something that happens over the next year, and maybe, maybe a year from now, that'll be the one that we talk uh, talk about. I'll offer up uh, th- this cruise habit, cruise fact uh, for you guys. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, some listeners may know I, I love talking about the cruise industry as a whole. There's really just essentially two companies, and they actually work together. They're not competitors, and I. I'm blanking on the name of the other one. I'll, I'll put it in the comments um, later because if my mom listens to this, she's going to be shouting it when I don't say it. But Starboard Cruise Services is one of them. Uh, they're based in Doral, uh, Miami, Florida. The other is based in, in Miami as well. Uh, and again, they work together, not against each other. Pretty much every cruise you've ever gone on, gone on, anything that you bought on board, whether it had that cruise line's logo or not, came from one of those two companies. Even if it's something, um, even if it's like a, a uh, you know, a tag or Dolce & Gabbana, like even they're the distributors for those things. So for the little stuff that they, you know, that they make and even for branded products. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting. I think that may be uh, news for a lot of people. Like, I mean, I don't, I didn't know that fact either, but it makes kind of a lot of sense. Because, you know, the Royal Caribbean is not like going to Macy's and buying Dolce & Gabbana sunglasses, right, to sell on their ship. They're going through a distributor because then they, the distributor, has to deal with inventory and supply and picking what is going to sell well, and what's not going to sell well, and make all the decisions for them. And Royal Caribbean takes a cut on it because it's you know it's it's their space. It's it's win win for everybody. Sure, so it's, it's not surprising to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. 
And so it's not surprising to hear that, but on the same token, it's also kind of interesting to have that kind of look at how they do this. And there's no question that, you know, onboard sales is a huge uh, 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 target and 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 goal for Royal Caribbean. It's really something that they they really you know it, may, it literally makes or breaks their their quarters in terms of what guests are spending. And traditionally, you know, we'd seen like you said, Billy. You know, when they we saw the Royal Promenade debut, right, and Central Park and Boardwalk, those have usually been lined with shops because I think that uh, you know the the conventional theory was, oh well, it's there. Let's put shops there so that guests can walk around and do some shopping there. But again, now this goes back to, well, what are guests really going to buy and where, where are they going to get the most return on their, on their revenue? And it sounds like, you know, maybe they're leaning towards less of a, a, a more, a formal retail space, less of a, you know, brick and mortar type approach and more of a dynamic approach that allows Royal Company to be a little, uh, uh, more agile with their, mm-hmm. with their approach, with, with what they can sell on there. And that's, again, that gives the guests what they're actually looking for. So that's a win for the guests. And also that generates revenue for Royal Caribbean, which obviously for them is, as a business is a major priority. And, and I could see how this would work with both how they sell and what they sell, um, especially because across the entire cruise industry, repeat cruisers, that, that's just so critical, right? Cruise lines want to retain cruisers. Uh, yeah, they want new ones because there's a huge untapped market of people that haven't cruised that are in the right, you know, demographic and such. But repeat cruisers is such a big and important thing. And I'll tell you, um, there are some people, everyone has different tolerances for different things. But I've got to imagine that, how many Royal Caribbean cruises have you been on, Matt? A lot. <laughs> yeah, certainly more than something. 20, right? Yeah. All yeah. right. <clears throat> so somebody that's been on over 20 Royal Caribbean cruises um, and somebody who is fortunate enough to have disposable income how how eager are you to elbow your way through one of those crowds to get one of those five dollar bags like you dropped a contact in the front row of a Metallica concert? You know, like, yeah, it's it. You know, so I feel like the they're they're fishing from a uh, a very narrow pool of people uh, yes. or a very shallow pool of people rather. So yeah, hopefully in both delivery and product that would that would be really fantastic. Now. Now that we've said that, I'm I'm very excited to hear what your third and incredibly self-serving thing is. Not only is it self-serving, Billy, it's totally up your alley. I just know that this is going to resonate with you. I can't wait to hear your commentary on this and share your insight with our listeners. Because with this tip, I know that you have such personal experience to share. This is going to – I hope people are – you may need to pull over if you're listening in the car. If you're at home, please sit down. If you have kids around, pause this episode and tell them to dump them on your family members or friends because you need your full attention for Billy's reaction to this one. For my third one, I would like to see no more nursery hour restrictions <laughs> at, the, at the nursery on board the ship. Oh, wow. Yes. I, and I'm, I I'm actually – this is self-serving, but it's not. I'm actually – you know what, Billy? This is not self-serving now that I think about it, and I'm going to tell you why. It would have been self-serving a couple of years ago, but my kids are now old enough. They will no longer be old, young enough to go in the nursery. However, I look out for the other parents out there. Royal Caribbean's nursery um, is a per-hour charged basis. But in all my Royal Caribbean cruises, there's always a policy which you get on embarkation day. They limit you in the amount of hours that guests can reserve ahead of time. The rationale has always been, well, sir or madam, it would be unfair to the other guests if you took up all the spaces. So they usually hold you to a certain 
time threshold. Like on a seven night cruise, it's usually 16 hours. And then after usually day three, they open it up. Basically to give everybody an, an equal chance to make reservations. In all my cruises that Billy just outlined how many I've taken, I have never once had a, seen an issue in which that threshold has been an issue in that people taking up on it. Uh, because it costs money, unlike Adventure Ocean, which is complimentary, the nursery does not nearly does not get as full as the as as Adventure Ocean, and there's a lot more availability than you may think. Sure, unlike Formal Nights, it it can get kind of you know busy, but I, I think it's a silly rule. I don't think in in reality, I don't think it, it gets used. It's it's necessary uh, because it's just all it does is it, it it takes money out of Royal Caribbean. I don't know. There's a huge revenue generating standpoint for them, but. You know, I think there are probably some people, not me, because I go back on day three immediately and be like, please take my children. But, you know, the um, there's some people who might, you know, forget about or neglect to go back because they just, you know, that was something they did before. And, you know, the, going back again is another is, is another step required. Um, but I think I would love to see them get rid of the nursery hour restrictions. Um, I, I just don't think it's really as practical or as necessary as it's been portrayed to be. And so Billy from... Um, I'm sure this is really resonating with you, and your blood is boiling right now thinking about this. I'm, I'm writing a letter as we speak. <laughs> as we speak. Get rid of the nursery hour restrictions. It's just, like I said, I don't think it's necessary. Uh, it just, it just in, it hinders the guests and doesn't really serve much of a purpose. Again, I don't think that there's quite the rush on the nursery that the rule would infer there is. And I'll tell you, I, again, I like to... I, okay, so I have a couple things. I want to talk about how Royal can monetize this beyond just simply charging for it, because um, I, I like to lay out you know instructions. Um, but I have two things first. Uh, first, because I don't want anyone to think that I am unhip. Uh, I meant to say joshing, not jonesing earlier, because I'm very hip and I want to make sure we're clear. <laughs> on that. Um, also, uh, in the event that Matt's daughters ever download this episode in the future when they're a little more iTunes savvy or whatever platform they choose. We're not here to judge. Uh, your parents love you very much. It's not that they want to offload you 24-7 on the cruise. They just think it would have been nice if they could have done that when you were younger. That's all. That's all. There you so it, those two things out of the way. <clears throat> here's how they can uh, – here's how I think they could monetize it. And they could they could test this. This would be an easy thing to test, no, no significant investment, is uh, in addition to giving – parents that option uh in addition to charging more depending on the hour which i i think correct me if i'm wrong they do that already right a little bit they do that at least on the half hour so you'll get you know they'll split in half but that's about the extent of it okay so <clears throat> you could charge more for for late night hours and such but in addition to all that you make it so that you strike when the iron is hot you make it so that you can not only extend time or even reserve time from uh, you know, either Royal IQ or whatever the, the new one is going to be officially called, uh, the new uh, mobile phone app on board. Mm -hmm. uh, you can even do it. Your, your bartender can extend for you. Because, <laughs> I mean, Give me another beer and uh, can you get, can you, I can my kids stay there for another hour. Take another drink and you're going, oh, I got to go get my kids. You know, would you like me to extend that for you? It's, you know, whatever the rate is per, per hour. Done. Done. How many people would right there and then, yes, I will have that additional beer and another hour. Thank you so much. That's that, 
I like spreading out my centavos as as broadly as I can. And I think that having that opportunity, hey, it's worth every uh, penny of it. And can you imagine <laughs> just like you know, the, the app pops up? Would you like to? It's like the snooze alarm for kids. <laughs> Would you like to? Should I go another 15 minutes? Yes, please. Oh, man. If I had kids, they'd be in trouble because I hit the snooze alarm, <laughs> the snooze button so much in life. Oh, I, I like it. Uh, I like it. And, and realistically, um, what will be interesting to see, and I think where we could realistically see some things like this happening uh, on Royal Caribbean and potentially other lines is when Virgin Voyages launches, depending on how we see that goes. For those who don't know, you can check out more on Virgin Voyages over on cruisehabit.com, of course. Um, Virgin Voyages is uh, uh, going to be 18 and up as a cruise line. Um, and it's not an ultra uh, luxury line, which is generally uh, the, the 18 and up lines are like that. So it'll be interesting to see if a lot of people flock to there because they're looking for a... Um, for a child-free experience, it would be interesting to see how that could act as a catalyst kind of from the other side, not from the parent side, um, but both from the perspective of other guests. But importantly, you know, you go with a family and, you know, maybe it's a, you know, a, a husband and wife and then one of their siblings and their significant other. One of them has a kid, one doesn't. They're going, ah, oh, you know what? It's great going on the cruise, but... You know, uh, Matt and Marissa, I'm just going to pick random names. I don't know anyone like that. Uh, yeah, they're <laughs> never able to stay out past whatever the time is that the nursery closes. That could be a, a draw to a line like Virgin Voyages. And if and if the industry starts to see that, it would be yet another reason to um, further uh, further modify uh, child care on board ships and, and kids programs, which, by the way, if you're not aware, are – oh my God, so much cooler than they were just 15, 20 years ago. When I was a kid, uh, okay, so that was more than 15, 20 years ago. (laughs) That's not good. Anywho, uh, whatever whatever that was, when I was a child, I was just telling somebody the other day, it was was like a room with a counselor or, you know, childcare person and a TV, and they would put on a movie that they usually bought uh, from some sidewalk market in the islands because every 10 minutes the movie on VHS would say uh, not for distribution, screening copy only, something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So anyway, I, yes, I... You cannot see it, but you may you may be able to hear my microphone moving right now. I'm standing, Matt Hotchberg, for your final idea because I think <laughs> it's you. one that I personally like, and I think that the market would like, and they, that could be monetized again. Royal Caribbean, I'm telling you how to make money off this. The nursery snooze button is going to be a thing. I'm telling you, someone snooze. someone trademark that. Oh my god, that's going to be amazing. <laughs> awesome. Well, if you're looking for more insight into the cruise industry and Billy's early life as a child. Be sure to check out cruisehabit.com for more information. Billy, always a pleasure to have you on here talking cruising. It is always a lot of fun to do this. Thank you very much for inviting me. And I promise if you go to cruisehabit.com or if you check me out on other fantastic Royal Caribbean blog.com podcasts, you'll hear a uh, voice that doesn't sound like it was at a concert until four in the morning. (laughs) Thanks, Billy. Thank you. time to answer your royal caribbean questions this is the part of the podcast where i read the emails that you send me and we talk royal caribbean about whatever's on your mind and of course if you want to send me your emails 
you're absolutely welcome to. All you have to do is send me an email to matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcreamingblog.com, matt at royalcreamingblog.com. Our first email this week comes to us from Kelly T, who writes, my husband and I are going on our first cruise in January. How many pictures did they take with the photo package? We're planning on purchasing the package. I just wanted to know for my reference. I can't seem to get an answer from anybody. Kelly, good question. So the photo package that are available, it actually, there's not so much there's uh, how many pictures they take. It's really up to you how many pictures you stop to take. During the entire duration of your cruise, there'll be a number of photo opportunities. When you board an embarkation day, there's usually a photo opportunity there. And then each evening, I think, is the bulk of where you'll find photo opportunities. Every evening, there'll be a number of photo stations set up. Uh, Formal Night probably has the most. They, they roll out a lot, but there's a solid, I mean, it depends on the ship you're on, obviously, but I mean, you've got at least a half a dozen uh, different photo stations you can go to, and there's no limit. You can go there and bring the whole family. You can do, you know, people alone, couples, group photos. It's really just up to you to, you know, what you want to, how many photos you want to take. They'll also have, sometimes they'll have in the specialty dining room, especially on Formal Night, you'll have ro- roaming photographers. Yeah, roving, roaming, roving, roaming photographers, photographers that move around and take photos at the at the tables. It's less so than I think it used to be. I think in in my recent cruises, I seem to recall you know there being like one night or two. Again, mostly formal nights. A lot of people doing that. When you go off in cruise ports, in the various ports you're stopping at, there's usually in on the pier right as you exit the ship some photo opportunities as well. So. Really, the answer to your question, Kelly, is it depends. It depends on how many you're looking to stop and take. And again, like I said, you know, in any of these cases, no matter which photo station we're talking about, you know, you can take one photo, you can take four photos, you can take seven photos. It's really up to you to tell the photographer, hey, I'd like to take a photo of this person, these people, all of us, you know, individually, different, you know, kind of how you want to match it all up. Because I know what you're kind of angling at, Kelly, which is, does it make, does it make financial sense for you to, to make that happen? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. Kelly also has another question. Uh, I've been listening to your podcast and catching up on them starting with the latest and working my way backwards to get as many tips as possible before we go. Haven't heard too many things about independence of the season, but I love hearing about all about cruising. It's been great. Thanks for everything. I'm definitely going to try the Labadoozy as one of our excursions will be on Labadee and my husband is doing the zipline on the island. Well, I love your plan. Really good stuff there. And Independence of the Seas is a really, uh, it's a wonderful ship. I was just on there probably. I think Kelly sent me this, this email right before I went on Independence of the Seas uh, earlier. But I can tell you that it's a great ship. It's getting a refurbishment in April 2018. And I'm not sure if your January cruise you're referring to is Independence of the Seas. It's still a fun ship. I really do like it. You know, it's, I, I like the Freedom Class ships in general. And what's nice about the Independence of the Seas is it offers you a lot of great things on board. And it's kind of almost a, I hate to call it a throwback to Royal Caribbean because it's not really that old. It's like 10 years old. But it's because the other, it's sister ships, Liberty and Freedom have gotten upgrades and new changes to it uh, up, up until at least April 2018. Independence still has that old Freedom class feel and old is in air quotes there. Uh, but it's, it's a great ship. You know, uh, I would recommend you check out the live blog I did from Independence of the Seas, Kelly, I think it'll be very helpful for for you. If you go to independenceoftheseas.live, or you go to, I'll, I'll post the link in our show notes at royalcreamblog.com for this episode as well, uh, for you to check on out the uh, the link to our Independence of the Seas live blog. Basically, that's a daily breakdown of what I did on board the ship, and I think it'll give you a pretty good idea of what to expect, and also share some interesting anecdotes and whatnot from my time on board, so I think you'll enjoy that. You also have one more question. Kelly has one more question. That is, uh, we're getting the refreshment drink package, which says it has premium coffee. What is the difference between that and the coffee card? I like different coffee drinks, such as iced coffee, lattes, cappuccinos. So I'm trying to decide if I need to purchase that as well. What is premium coffee? Is it just regular hot coffee? Um, 
And also, where do we go to book the shows on the Cruise Planner? I've been going there every day, not seeing it anywhere. So the first, well, let's answer your second your second question first. Um, if you're on Independence of the Seas, you can't book shows in the Cruise Planner. Booking shows in the Cruise Planner is only available for Oasis-class ships and Quantum-class ships. So if you are on Independence of the Seas, then there's nothing for you to do. And that's because there's it's not required. You can just show up on board. Uh, there's no tickets required. For the different, what's the coffee card? So if you're getting the refreshment drink package, and that includes premium coffee, you're already all set. Premium coffee refers to basically anything with espresso in it. Lattes, cappuccinos, espressos, macchiatos, those kinds of drinks. The regular coffee that's free or complimentary on the board of the ship is literally just black coffee you can get. You know, decaf or regular, but that's about it. If you want to have lattes or espresso-based drinks, you need to get the, the uh, that's premium coffee. Now, what's the difference between the refreshment package and the coffee card? The refreshment package includes premium coffee and also sodas and juices and non-alcoholic beverages. Whereas the coffee card is literally just coffee. Premium coffee, that is. So if you're interested in just premium coffee, the coffee card is a much better value. Plus, also with the with the coffee card, you can share the benefits of that. So if you were to get it for you and your husband, or you and your brother, or you and your friend, you can share the benefits of that. It's, it's a, you know, you get X amount of drinks to, to consume, and you can share that. With the with the Royal Re- with the refreshment drink package, you cannot share the benefits. So that if you get it just for you, Kelly, then those benefits are just for you. But you can get again coffee, soda, non-alcoholic beverages, bottled water. Um, so it really depends. It's really a question, Kelly, of what you want. Do you want just co- premium coffee? Then the coffee card is a better deal because you're going to save money in that. But if you also want saying, well, I really want coffee and soda, and you know maybe a virgin strawberry daiquiri and bottled water, well then the refreshment package there for you. So Kelly, hopefully that answers your question. Thank you so much for the email. Our next question comes to us from Jose Pena, who writes, I'm watching Billy from Cruise Habits Periscope on Amber Cove at the Dominican Republic, and I'm wondering if Royal Caribbean goes to the Dominican Republic. If not, why? Do they have plans to go back to the Dominican Republic in the future? Why doesn't Royal Caribbean go to Amber Cove? Thanks. Good question, Am- uh, Jose. So, first of all, Amber Cove is, is Carnival's private little area, just like Labadee, so that's primarily why Royal Caribbean doesn't go to, to Amber Cove. However, that being said... Royal Caribbean at least used to go to a place called Samana, Dominican Republic. I remember actually our very first group cruise that we had planned on Quantum of the Seas was supposed to go there and then ended up getting canceled. These days, I don't think Royal Caribbean goes there at all. It's still, if you Google, you know, Royal Caribbean, Dominican Republic, you'll see some references to Samana. In fact, I even found some old shore excursions you could theoretically go on if you find a cruise that went there. But I don't think they actually offer any more sailings that go to the Dominican uh, so I, as to why, great question. It's, you know, with, with everything about why cruise ships go to this port and not that port, or why do they not go to Cal- out of California anymore, and why do they go to Australia more, or this and that, it's all about the monies. It's all about making money, and I think, quite honestly, Royal Caribbean has a lot of deals with different ports, and there's a lot of logistics involved. And I think that there's a number of considerations, and I don't know that we'll ever know the real answer to it, but essentially... It's probably a blend of guest demand, a certainly where they can make the most amount of money out of it, what where the ships can go, and a variety of other factors that are involved. But the short of it is Royal Caribbean doesn't go there anymore, at the very least, that I can tell from anything uh, looking forward from here in 2017 onward. It just doesn't appear that's to be the case anymore. They used to go, like I said, it's just hasn't really been, uh, you know, uh, an option these days. And a lot for with a lot of ports, you know, Royal Caribbean, a lot of cruise lines, not just Royal Caribbean, but cruise lines in general these days, for a lot of ports, they often make kind of deals. Like the Bahamas, they do this all the time, where they guarantee a certain amount of cruise stops and or a certain amount of passengers. 
you know, in exchange for upgraded port facilities or, or whatnot, uh, new terminals. Uh, this happens more often than you think, and it's, you know, this is this is part of the business of operating a cruise line. It's just, you know, one of those things. So uh, the, the, the answer to your question is they don't go to Dominican at any point going forward, but they used to go to. And the as to the real why behind it, great question, Jose. I'm not sure we'll ever really know the the true answer, but um, I wouldn't mind going back to the Dominican. Certainly, you know, as certainly as a, as a veteran cruiser, I would relish the opportunity for new ports, or at least new to me ports. But uh, it doesn't appear to be the case at this time. So, but you never know. Uh, you know, itineraries change all the time, and there's nothing to be said that you know that that can't change going forward. So, fingers crossed, maybe we'll see Royal Caribbean return to the Dominican. We have for one last email, and it is from Dennis, who writes, First, thanks for keeping me in good shape as your podcast are my gym partner. I'm a Diamond Plus member of 50 Plus Cruises. Uh, I'm going, I emailed Crown and Anchor Society recently regarding if a visa is required for ovation of the seas going to China in May 2018. I got the automated reply that they will answer in the order. It's now a month, no reply. I even followed up uh, with a, I'm not feeling a wow moment, but that too fell on deaf ears. Any suggestions would be appreciated. Interesting, Dennis. So, try to figure out if you need a visa going to uh, China on ovation of the seas. A couple things you probably want to do. Number one, you can certainly, I would recommend actually just calling Royal Caribbean. In fact, you guys should call Royal Caribbean's Crown and Anchor Society. I don't know that there's any real difference in terms of the answer you can get, um, but there is a that option for you if you'd like to call Crown and Anchor Society. According to the website, their uh, their web their phone number is one eight hundred five two six nine seven two three. That's for if you're in the United States or Canada. If you're outside the U.S. or Canada, you can call three one six five five four five nine five one. And those are available Monday through Friday, nine a.m. to eleven p.m. and Saturday through Sunday, ten a.m. to eight p.m. Eastern according to the website. So if you're not getting any feedback via the email, I would definitely give them a call and get that question answered. If you book through a travel agent, they can also do that for you. That's one of the great things about using a travel agent. Let them figure it all out and call Royal Caribbean and get all the details for you. You know, it's it's part of the service they're going to provide you. So I think that's probably your best bet. That's what I would do anyway, Dennis, to assist you in that. And thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. And of course, if you, want, if you have a question or a comment or a thought about Royal Caribbean, you your emails are always welcome here uh, on the podcast. So send me an email, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.